You should be the host here. I'm really loving it, Jeff. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along to episode 33 of The Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. I'm Alan Quinlan and here with me as always is Neve Briggs. Um, I got lots of messages, Neve, and lots of people telling me as I was leaving the Aviva on Saturday night that they're looking forward to the podcast. They were all Leinster fans, so <laughs> we, have, uh, we have some Leinster fans uh, checking in uh, with us uh, on a weekly basis, which is great. Um, Obviously, it's mainly for the Munster fans to try and get their interaction and stuff like that. So, how was your uh, your weekend? Spurs made you happy anyway. Champions League, Liverpool gave me a little taste for a few minutes, made me believe in Sunday. But um, tip were walloped by Cork. So were uh, Waterford walloped by Clare. So well, not, not a great not, weekend. It wasn't one of those Carlsberg Car- weekends. No. Certainly not. But obviously, we're going to go through the match in more detail yeah. in a minute and. Uh, you know, as always, we want to get the fans involved and give them their say because uh, the two of us are here chatting and uh, giving our opinions all the time. It's not inclusive and we want it to be inclusive. Yeah. And obviously when uh, Leinster beat Munster 35-25, uh, very disappointing night. So I was kind of nervous about how emotional some of the fans would be and how negative they would be. But we've had a lot of responses to the tweet I put out yesterday and um, not not the nasty, uh, I I think, uh, but pretty balanced. And it's hard to argue with a lot of them. I'm going to let you read them out. Um, We may stop after every couple just to Mm. react to some, but uh, off you go. This is your job every week. (laughs) Uh, So you tweeted out that we can't be shy. Um, We can't shy away from the loss in the performance. Uh, thoughts are welcome. Is it bad as it seems or not? Can the team go to Belfast and win? So Adrian O'Donoghue is a, a resident listener because he tweets us quite a bit and he's like very good in terms of along the same lines of what I was thinking. Leinster have been playing that style of moving the ball fast through the hands and switching angles and direction of attack. Munster tried the ball up the jumper and bash your way through. Leinster are miles ahead, but with the new coaching ticket next year, maybe things might change. And that was kind of a general theme in terms of, I thought people would have been way more um, negative or depressed about it, but people are genuinely like, let's just close this chapter now and, and move on. Um, Mike Hennessy can win an Ulster, probably won't. Doesn't matter since we need to get past Leinster and they have us in their pocket. Good season overall, but married by some bleak lowlights and a depressing tendency to play like a drain against one team we can't afford to. Uh, George H. Dundon, Munster OP1 in Ravenhill for the first time in the years, only a few weeks ago. Yes, they can win, but the Leinster match exposed our serious deficits again, and they need to be deadly with it if we are to win anything. Tony Curtin, we are lacking leaders all over the pitch, someone who will take the game by the scruff of the neck and drive the rest forward. Peter Delande and Haley push it on, but that's it. Candelan showing promise too, we need more. Is that a big thing for you? Um, I saw I saw a lot of messages talking about leadership. It felt that way. Um, I went to the game on Saturday night. I wasn't working, and and uh, I when I say I wasn't doing commentary and stuff, that takes away a little bit of the stress of running and racing and the kind of focus and zooming in and what you, <clears throat> on on you know the job that you have to do and reactive analysis. So I was pretty relaxed watching it, and 
Yeah, I think it's an issue. I think it's an issue that, um, you know, there's a lot of senior players played for Munster on Saturday night. And I just think in crew, it's, it's, it's easy to say it's just leadership and that, you know, they're lacking a little bit of a ruthless edge. And unfortunately, we've spoken about it a lot this this season, maybe the last couple of seasons, just in crucial areas that there's not that kind of ruthless edge there. And I think the one player, and we'll talk about player performances in a few minutes, the one player I, I continuously saw um, stepping up to the plate the other night was Chris Farrell. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, but collectively they weren't emotionally at the right pitch. Um, and, you know, it looks like they, you know, you, you you kind of pinpoint leadership. A lot of the tweeters said it was leadership and and maybe it is an issue going forward. Yeah, we'll chat about it afterwards. I mean, I've kind of got my own thoughts in relation to that. Uh, Richard Bartley, four, he's started off with a brilliant line that gets this tweet read out all the time. Hi, Alan and Neve, great podcast. Very yes, good. Munster will beat Ulster. They are the better squad, halfbacks and replacements. Munster have been the third best team in the Pro 14 and the URC behind Leinster and Leinster A. Unfortunately, the Van Graan era did not close the cap. There is hope. Um, Alan, this is from John Sibylus. Alan, I've been following Munster since Musgrave in 1992 against the Yellow Aussies. Saturday night was just bad. How have we allowed things to get this low going forward? Simple answer, a loud voice as D.O.R. Who, Quinny? Who comes in as D.O.R.? The director rugby, I don't know. I think it's um, it's something that's still in the pipeline, I think, because um, a lot of uh, a lot of the talk now is about structure. Um, if you go back to 2016, when I criticised Monster, I did it out of, um, you know, I was in the Sky Studios in London when Stade Francais beat Munster in, in, in Paris and Stade had a man sent off. And I just thought the performance that day was really abject, um, lacking that bit of bite that's needed. And it was on the build-up of, of, that was on the back of, you know, a lot of negative results in the previous number of weeks. I know Munster had won in Ulster the previous weekend, but uh, that kind of frustration came out of me and, what was going through my head a lot there was the structure, the academy, signings, the school system, the club system, um, the overall structure. Everything uh, basically underneath the yeah, senior and team. I, and I, I kind of went, I went in this rant, and obviously I got criticized. I did. I don't know why. I just it just came out of me out of pure frustration, and I think. I probably got vilified internally by people within Munster. And of course, nobody's happy to be criticised. I was a player there as well. And I, I don't know why I'm even bringing this up. But the point being, around that time, Neve, I spoke about structure and getting better structures. And if you're running a business um, and the business is not performing and getting the results that you want and require, and everyone within the organisation wanted that then, they want it now. Um, you know, so the same kind of things are coming up in a lot of this, what are people are saying about the structures behind the scenes getting better. I know there's an ambition from the people throughout the organization to try and do that. And I think a lot of good stuff has happened. Um, and I think, you know, there's more to be done. The connection between schools, rugby, the clubs, uh, trying to get more players through the AL. Everybody says we should, um, 
you know, that Leinster had this advantage with numbers and schools and all that. And look, they probably have, but we need to, and Munster need to focus on how, how can we get better, produce more players and have them probably in better shape coming into the academies. And that's probably where Leinster have that because they have a lot of mini academies in, in, in the top schools. Yeah. So structurally, I think um, things need to be improved and looked at again. And it's not one individual area that I'm saying, um, but obviously the team has not won a trophy in, in a long time. And the positivity and energy of Larkham, Van Gran, Roundtree in the last couple, three, four years it hasn't kind of changed the, percep- uh, the perception and the narrative around get closing that gap uh, and competing for trophies. I know they've been to semi-finals and finals the last number of years. So, yeah, it's it's maybe it is a time for for kind of, um, and I'm not saying it as as aggressively as maybe I did back then, but you know, look at the structure, see can you improve and assess. And every organization, every business do, does that every year. So maybe the structures need to be sharpened again and tried to improve and I know that that is being done behind the scenes but maybe yeah look you look at someone like Ian Costello has come back in and the, even the huge amount of work he's done in that last year in relation to Correct, yeah. the amount of young guys playing ALL every week and now like I was down at a, a session last week of under 16 down in UL where they have the likes of Brett Bach and Brendan O'Connor and Kiriakou looking after the forwards and Greg Oliver and Jerry Casey are looking after the backs and all of a sudden you're like these guys at 15, 16 years of age are getting exposed now to really good coaches. So there's definitely changes happening from that point of view, but you're right. I, I do think um, it needs to kind of happen a small bit quicker in order to close I, that gap. I, I know I give a long answer there, but maybe, um, and I know it's something I've heard, is, is it's very they're very keen to happen at director of rugby. So not just with the first team, obviously, but all the kind of coaching that's going on is it good enough is it a high enough standard can it be better Um, all these kind of development squads East Munster North Munster whatever South Munster development squads that are happening at you know 14s 15s 16s 18s is the quality of coaching high enough there can it be better can we upskill the coaches better Um, how do you do that there's loads of things that um I'm not saying one particular thing is going to make a difference, but I think um, it all needs to be looked at and maybe a director of rugby is the way to go. And uh, as I said, I've heard that that's something that Munster Rugby are very keen to happen. Um, is it as bad as it seems? Well, we'll get into that in a minute. That's what I asked in the tweet. I don't think it's as bad as it seems. Um, but look, we better continue on. Yeah, we, we have a few more, right? Because, um, um, Bond, uh Think back to when COVID impacted Munster after the trip to South Africa. A young team with players with very little experience and look at the performance they delivered in the Heineken Cup. I don't know if it's a psychology or fear in the senior team, but they're unable to consistently deliver. Tom O'Mahony comedy. O'Mahony's grit and leadership were badly missed. They seemed, as so often against those blue jerseys, shell-shocked against Leinster before a ball was kicked. None of the aggression from the Toulouse match. However, they have beaten Ulster recently, so won't, maybe won't fear them as much. And then Hugh C jumped in saying, was going to say Peter Manny was sorely missed. I'm a Leinster supporter, don't at me. Jackals aside, his leadership is huge. Seemed to me that there was a lot of lateral movement that ran out of steam. Plus with Larmer back and playing out of his skin, you had a mountain to climb. Um... They're all kind of the same. Neil Hines can win a 
Belfast can win at Belfast, but no hope of winning the cup. Coaching has been terrible since Johan van Grand took charge, getting well beat come quarter semi-final, and yet playing the exact same way the following season, expecting different results. No progression or learning is the real killer. Just obviously some people... You see, I, I think, right, so I actually do think, so like you, I was very emotional after that game. I just thought that... We were really, really poor. The next day I watched it again and I took the emotion out of it and looked at it objectively. And if you go back to the start of the season, right, against the Stormers, against the Bulls, whatever it was, in, and how we tried to bash our way through, through those teams to where we are now, there's definitely been an evolution of the game. The issue is, is that Munster's evolution is probably at shoulder height, whereas Leinster's evolution of their game is like, you know, at the top of the rung. And when well, you what, what I what I would ask you then, Neve, and this is sounds harsh. So if we're analysing and there's an assessment done at the end of the season, or even the last couple of seasons, and I, I and look, this is nothing personal against any of the coaches because a lot of stuff that's come up and a lot of people I've I've spoken to have said that the side is poorly coached. They've been poorly coached, and you're talking about this height for the skill set and Leinster being up here. Have we failed then in the last couple of years? Have we wasted time? Have we, why haven't we evolved a couple of years ago? You know, Johan has been there five years. So have we wasted a number of years? And people have asked me that. So this is what people are starting to think because we think the last four or five weeks, six weeks have been quite positive. We've seen that evolution. We've seen a change. We've seen a change since, January, really, after yeah. the Connacht game. And I think um, a realisation that there has to be more expansion and that there is more in this team. Um, I do agree that you can't just change this overnight and expect it to be perfect. Um, but have we failed in the last couple of years then in what we're doing? See, I don't think we've necessarily failed in terms of, just hear me out please, in terms of, from a coaching point of view, I think it's really important to realise that when Johan Bank-Grand came in, it was off the back of South Africa winning a World Cup and everybody was trying to bash their way through teams and it was like almost like the South African way. But like then you quickly find a way to get around that in terms of um, people, you know, are more astute, they become very intelligent, they condition teams to play a certain way and then they, they throw in a different picture. So over the last few years, you look at what Leinster are doing in particular also Ireland to a certain extent, New Zealand to a certain extent. Why, 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 why should we have to look at what Leinster is doing? Why can't we evolve and see this stuff ourselves? I remember playing with Ireland, okay, playing against New Zealand back around 2002 in New Zealand. And one thing Paul O'Connell said, and he was a very young player at the time, and we probably did this in Munster a lot. We used to, we would take a lot of New Zealand lineouts and plays off the back of lineouts and stuff like that as forwards. And we started to kind of say, well, why don't we come up with these ideas ourselves and come up with new plays that we can figure out and just not, not that other teams are doing. I'm not saying, you, of course, you look at Leinster and you look at the, the simplicity of their catch pass and their, their lines are running and stuff. But I think the time has come now to obviously you look at the best teams and there needs to be an invo- uh, 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 more kind of, out, out, out of the box thinking for Munster I just sometimes fig, can't figure out Conor Murray Keith Earls Andrew Conway 
Peter O'Mahony, Tyburn, Dave Kilcoyne, you know, Chris Farrell, these guys have been with Ireland. They've been with an incredible coach under Joe Schmidt. They've now got a brilliant setup going in Ireland. They see all the Leinster players on a regular basis. How come they can't bring back some of those ideas and implement some of the structure? Is it just down to individual skill set or the quality of player? Yeah, I, I think it's down to individual skill set and the quality of player. And I think you've been so conditioned to play one way, it takes a huge amount of time and effort to untrain a habit and retrain a new one. And the big thing for me is that what what blew what blew my mind the weekend was not really about Munster. It was the fact that the environment that Leinster are obviously driving in terms of their third and fourth and fifth choice players know the detail so so well that they're easily able to slot in. They didn't beat Munster because Munster played really poor. They bet Munster because they had a better understanding of what they were trying to do. And so, I think and, and I would go back to you then, and this is something that people are, are want to know. What are Munster trying to do? Have they not got 40, 45 players they are, they're trying guys, to do, young guys? Yeah, so they are, but like so they're, they're it, trying that, to that would tell me that it's not been done at the same standard or same on, detail. That, that's exactly it. We're talking about for me, if, if you look at how I had this chat. I was working for the Connacht separate match with Eddie O'Sullivan the other day, and we were having this chat beforehand about Connacht had scored a try off a line out in terms of very Leinster esque, in terms of they had four players attack the line and everybody running like either an under or out the back and an inside pass. So, as a defensive set, you kind of don't really know where you're going and you just pick the, the option that's in the space. And what that does is it creates a huge amount of confusion is that when you have Two lines of attack that move together and shift back together and move around the corner. The big issue with Munster, I feel at the moment, is that they're missing that lack of detail. So the front line will go and then the back, the back person, whether it's Joey or Chris Farrell or whoever it is, doesn't move with them. So if you're a Leinster and they're so, so good defensively, they're thinking, Joey doesn't look animated. He doesn't look like he's going to be involved. Okay, we can just hone in on this pod because the ball's not going anywhere else. And therefore, they're able to shut the space down and they're at, if you look back at when Munster play well or when any team plays well at the moment, it's that ability to be able to move together forwards and move back together. And it, it creates confusion in that defensive line. I felt the other day that Munster had loads of possession and did, just couldn't effectively okay. break down a really good defensive line because and they didn't offer any threat. You're a coach, okay, and uh, you're thinking that way all the time. What I would say then is, why don't? Why is this not picked out by players and coaches? Because look, we're not here to criticize people personally, and I don't want to go down that road. Um, because I don't think it's as bad as it seems. I just think it need there needs to be better shape, better organization, better coaching, uh, better structure within the game plan, and, and more understanding. Okay, so if Joey Carberry is not animated and one pot are going somewhere, why aren't players picking that out? What? Why aren't? You know, I'm sure they it, are, it, it but it's not just, just happened. And sorry. why, you know, Joey's up with Ireland all the time, and would he get away with that? Uh, it's, with it's, Paul it's not really with sorry. Cass? It's not. It's not really just about Joey. So, I, mean, I, I, I didn't. No, I mean, I understand exactly. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's also a, a case of if you watch Leinster, right? Just, I'm sorry now for harping on about this, and you come around the corner, and it's say Ross Maloney, Ty Furlong, and Andrew Porter, and Johnny Sexton's right in behind them. It's not really about Johnny. It's about what the next two or three forwards and the next pod outside him and the, the back that are outside that. So it's their all ability to go all together 
and then come all the way back together and keep moving in two lines all together. So that Every, I find, everything is on, basically. Everyone's yeah, a threat. Exactly. You just hit the words out of my I just feel that Munster is very... Um, the first group of people know exactly what they're doing, but the people out, outside of the back out the back or that pod are either too far away to throw a good pass, too deep to not run a flat line, or too flat to not be able to get the pass away. So... It's that detail that we're talking about. So you're 100% right. My thing is that maybe they just don't have and that detail down at the moment. And then that comes back to why don't they? And I don't know why. So, well, well, that's down to the attack coach and not, uh, you know, hammering this stuff home. So that's Stephen Larkham's job. So I think, and we, we'll try and move on to, to some of the stats in the match. The reality here is since Razzie Erasmus came in in 2016, it's been six years of, um, let me just, let's just put this right, a pretty sim- simple game plan of kick, pressure, defence, not make mistakes in your own half and, and, and a lot of kind of trying to overpower teams and run out over them, run out runners. Of course, there's been attack, you know, so I'm thinking the player, some players watching this and saying, that's all wrong, Quinny, you're not, that's not accurate. It's not 100% the case. But under Rassi, um, Munster were incredibly good defensively in Jack Nienenberg. We kicked a lot. Our, our, our kick chase was incredible. Uh, we pressurised the life out of teams. We got into scoring zones. We kicked penalties. We forced tries from... Can Rennes I just ask pressure. you, stop you one second. Who does that remind you of? This is what I'm talking about, the evolution and the development of the game. No, but what, I, my, what does well, what, what I'm saying to you in terms of where the game is, you've just spoke about it a few seconds ago. It was almost a Joe Schmidt game plan. Yeah, I know, and but but Razzie had implemented that into Monster, okay. And you talk about, um, and I think the attack side of things has been neglected for a number of years. So um, Johan has come in, and 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 there's a similar kind of style, and because it's continuously come up about the 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 attack for a number of years. So I think a lot of these players have been programmed into this type of game. Then they go to Ireland. But what frustrates me is that they can't bring back some of this change from what they've done with Ireland. So I think it's gone on for a number of years. But can I say something to you? It, that, that's a really difficult thing to do. If you only have, if you have five or six players up in Ireland and they're coming back, they're trying to implement um, or bring back attack shape or whatever it is. You're trying to explain that to 40 people. And if the right message doesn't come down through the channel. So, so for example... If Keith Earls only knows his role with Ireland in terms of what he's to do, it's very difficult to then talk to the forwards about the, the, the too listen, far away. Nave, Nave, do you understand what I'm saying? The senior players need to take hold here and they should have taken hold and they haven't taken hold. You know, absolutely bring the pressure, the defence, the kicking game, get good at all that stuff. But you've got to get better at the attack. And I think it's unbelievably frustrating and I'm sure it's been unbelievably frustrating for the likes of Andrew Conway Keith Earls, you know, players out wide who don't don't get the ball very often. Yeah, but yeah, 100%. We've, seen, we've seen an improvement, but we've seen um, they're not comfortable at where they need to be. Okay, we're, we're we're talking about the Munster performance on Saturday night, and you spoke about taking emotion out of it. Actually, I was I was I, I was trying to make the point. I started. I was very relaxed. I had my son and a couple of kids there, and. Um, I was sitting in an area on my own. I was expecting to be slagged and jeered and all that kind of stuff, but I, I, I didn't. And it kind of, it was just really strange. But um, 
I thought the performance was below par. There was crucial things that happened in that game. The mall that was turned over yeah. a couple of yards out. Leinster players punching the air, slapping each other on the back, showing an incredible kind of fight and desire that they were up for it. And heads dropping on the Munster players walking back. Um, the penalty try was right in front of me in the second half. Again, pretty humiliating for a Munster pack to be you know, driven back like that. And that's no disrespect to that Leinster group. Um, Joe McCarthy and Keane Healy were two forwards out of that who were on the bench for Toulouse. So um, that kind of stuff is, is, is pretty hard to take. And the players have to, Munster players have to look at themselves. Was the effort there? Yes. Um, was, were they working hard? Yes. Did they lack emotion and a real kind of nasty edge that they needed? I thought they would really bring an intensity and a fire in their bellies to this one. They didn't. Um, and that's, that's frustrating. So I think to kind of sum it up, the sk- the effort was good. The skills and accuracy were really, really poor. And Johan van Graan has admitted that. It's there. It's blatant for everybody to see. Um, Munster had 60% possession and 60% territory. Stats can lie at times. Um, they had more runs than Leinster, more metres run. Um, Leinster had to make more tackles. Munster missed 25 tackles, which I, I've said is a continuous problem and an issue. Um, they kicked less than Leinster. Um, they had more passes in the game than Leinster. So that indicates in very simple terms that they had more possession and didn't know what to do with it and weren't yeah. accurate enough, which is a very frustrating thing that keeps coming up and up and up on the back of a very positive number of weeks and kind of positive signs about the future. So I said it to you last week and you were, oh, don't be so negative. Um, I have to look at both sides and uh, I have a little bit of a fear and I think like a player, God, if we were to lose this game, what's the worst case scenario? And I, you know, obviously not all players or coaches think like that. You want to try and have a positive mindset, but that unfortunately that's kind of ingrained in me that I look at the worst side of things. And the worst has happened here. This is probably the worst result from Munster in years. Um, this is eight league games in a row. So psychologically, I think there's a block here as well. And we must say, look, Leinster, these players, and a lot of them played in that Rainbow Cup last year, a lot of them were, were unheard of um, even to come in. Uh, there's a couple of players played for Leinster that were, you know, weren't involved in that Rainbow Cup game last year. Munster won 27-3. So the thought coming into the game is, yeah, Munster will be too strong. Leinster will be gallant and, uh, you know, Munster will get a home quarter final. They haven't achieved that. This Leinster improvement um, and the quality and the skill set and the cohesion is, is, is outstanding. Is there a psychological block here now? This is eight league games. Or are we just not good enough? That's a game Munster should have won the other night. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Before the game, I was kind of... I thought Munster would win, but I didn't think it'd be any more than by one score, um, to be honest, because I feel like Leinster are the best club side in the world. Like, And as a Munster fan, that doesn't really sit well. But you have to understand, you have to be able to give that that understanding that 
I, I don't think across any team in the world that any like in terms of how the whole organization is run, any team like I don't think the Crusaders in New Zealand um that could can match this Leinster in terms of strength and depth, the cohesion that they can all have. And so yeah, there probably is an element of um psychology, but but I think this weekend there's almost a different type, and you hit the nail on the head. Did too many players go into that game going we cannot lose this because it's their second players or their third. We cannot lose this. And then it automatically puts a huge amount of pressure on you in terms of your thinking and you start to tighten up. And I, I don't know if that's the case, but for me, that penalty try and the sense Simon was a huge turning point in the game, a brilliant trick 50-22 from Cormac Foley. And you're looking at two, two stages in the second half where which I was really surprised at, especially the first one that um Munster put a huge amount of phases together and got a penalty and then went to for the posts. And I thought, gee, like would you would you not have gone to the corner there? So I had a little bit of ambition. You you had three tries and you needed to get you know, if we get a fourth they should they only needed two points out of that game to get to get a home quarter final. I think very early on within that game, while the first half, especially the first 25 minutes, was such a ding-dong and it was great, you kind of sense that Munster were a little bit off. And I think at that level, against against any other but, team, but, I don't think it would but, have been as bad. But, but that's not good enough, Neve. if no, we're being not, critical. Because, okay, incredible uh, emotion, Toulouse, the colour, the day. Um, but it showed Toulouse. It, it actually, this is after actually showing up that Toulouse weren't as good as we thought they were. European champions and they're all these uh, No, pretty, I don't think it's the case of that. I think that, that that Toulouse performance was totally different to what it was. Of course, what this is. it was very, very positive and they played, uh, you know, we, we they played really well. They brought yeah. that emotion. But I just, they had, they what, weekend, what we're concerned, yes. They, they had a the week weekend off. off. Yeah, why that, that's what concerns me. Right mentally this week. That's what concerns flat. me. Yeah, they did look fat. Okay. And they had a good few days off. So I, I agree. Okay, they one of the things that, that came up in a lot of the tweets, and uh, there's so many of them, players laughing and joking after the match. Is, it, is oh, that been, been overcritical? Well, yeah, lots completely. Of, lo- just, just let me say, lots of people have said this in the tweets. Why are players laughing and joking after the match? They were not. Leinster's oh, just, just beaten you for the eighth time, Eve. I just want to. I say know, this. but I know, Quinny, but it's not. A, it's not. It's 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 not about that. It it isn't about that. And I saw the first couple of tweets coming about that, and I was like, Do you know what? That is that that is not the reason why they won or lost. Like, it's not. And I just, I I don't buy that for a second at all. And that's a real old school Roy Keane kind of a, uh, and I don't like it because I just think these guys are incredible professionals. Okay. For whatever reasons that we well, and Niamh, I don't know Niamh, about. Niamh, I'll just put this to you. If Leinster just beat Munster when I, when I was playing yeah, and I was, I, 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 no, it doesn't matter if I was laughing coming off the field and joking and having a little ch- a chat with Leinster players, I would get, lambasted inciting that dressing room from my from my teammates. So I'm not suggesting that players don't care and it's too pally pally situation. That's what we should be focusing on. It's not. But I just think your body language a little bit sums up where you are mentally in this game. And players need to realize that this is, you know, you're you're a well-paid professional here. 
there's a responsibility. Um, like we give them, we, we've given them a lot of credit now in the last number of weeks. Let's be honest here. We've given them a lot of credit about their effort, their pride in the jersey, all that stuff that never say die spirit that I think is has to be there every time you put on the jersey. And I think some of that was lacking the other night. We can focus on the skill set and we realise that Munster need to get better. There's a new coaching team coming together. They have a you know, big job on their hands. Hopefully we can see improvement. There is some positive signs around young players coming through. Um, so I don't think the whole picture is as bad as it seems. But there has to be realisation now and a standard and an edge. You know, you do know what Monster's whole, Leinster's whole focus was last week to, to send Monster to South Africa. And I know from, from what I've heard, their whole focus was anger, aggression, intensity, uh, and narkiness in their preparation last week to send their biggest rivals to, away to South Africa. So, I just find it frustrating and hard to see players kind of laughing and joking at the end of the game. I, yeah, I find I, it hard personally, whether I'm wrong, I'm not saying I'm right. No, I, I get what you, I completely understand what you're saying. I completely do. And for sure, there was definitely, I just don't think that Munster are the type of team, right here on Lee, that have that, that kind of narkiness that... Well, well Leinster you know have I mean? it. So everybody yeah, talks about Leinster. And I know, but there. who drives that? They're, they're incredibly... Who drives that? The players need to start yeah. driving that and realising where, where so, this is at. Leinster... So, Neil, Leinster hate Munster. I get that. I'm asking you... I'm not asking... I'm not giving out to you. I'm asking you to listen to me. Leinster completely have that narkiness. I'm asking you, who drives that? Who drives that... That, that bit of ruthless edge. That, it's, that, their co- it's their coaches and their players. And who, 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 who on the pitch drives that for them? All of them, I'd say. Yeah, but who, who gives the debts there? The you you tell me. So Has, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Sexton. Sexton. So Johnny Sexton, because he, he played in the, the kind of our era and, and he's so brought... So he understands. Okay. I, I'm, I'm so just Peter, Ma- big... Peter Mahoney is around when I played. Conor Murray yeah, is so around he's when t- I played. Yeah, so Peter Mahoney... was around when I played. Listen to what I'm... Would you just listen to me for two seconds? Okay. This is what I'm saying. They have the ability to... He has that ability to drive that. So if things aren't going right, that's his personality. That's exactly... That's an eight in him. It's very difficult on the flip of that, Munter, Bar Peter Manny don't seem to have somebody that's going to be that driver of that ruthlessness, that hard that if something's going wrong, that this is, you know, you you get a you get a bollocking almost. Like Joey Carberry is a, a a super player, silky skills, but he's not the one that's going to turn around and give out to you if if something doesn't go right. He's not the one that's going to drive that high standard. I don't think. Conor Murray is the same. They're different personalities. And I think that if Johnny Sexton is not playing, then the mantle is taken up by everybody else. My big issue is that if Peter Manny doesn't play, we don't, Munter don't have somebody else that can drive that innate ruthlessness, that hardness, that edge, that lack of detail, that if you don't know it, you're going to know all about it. I just think that that's where they both are at the moment. Yeah, and that, that's my whole point. It's that's wrong. That's what I'm trying to say. It, I'm it, trying to agree with you. Would you want to listen? But do you think players laughing at the end of the game is fine then? No, I don't think it's fine. I just well, what, what that... kind of message does it send to the fans, to the people? I'm not saying I'm not saying it's the sole reason, but I'm trying to make a point here that 
becomes obvious when you lose a game. Your body language needs to be a little bit different. And that's something that needs to change. So what needs to change for, for this group of players and the squad for next year is they, they, they gotta need, need to improve their skill set. They need to, you know, I hear a lot about Leinster's standard. So Leinster's standard isn't just that they're very skillful and they train well. They have a ruthlessness and a real edge to every game they play. And it's not, every game is not perfect. I go back to a game that Leinster played over in the Dragons at the start of the season and um, it was a really poor performance. So they don't go out every week and, and they're absolutely fantastic. And, and that's the challenge. But they have a very high standard in their anger and their aggression about somebody trying to steal their ball, somebody coming in uh, from the, you know, trying to stop them mauling or, or put pressure on them. I just think it's part of what needs to change here for Munster going forward that there needs to be a realisation of um, not what any of my teammates did in the past or what we achieved, but for themselves to become really more ruthless, not not stupid fighting with people on the field, but a real kind of ruthlessness about their whole application. So it's kind of, it's it's together with the training sort of, sort of focus and the skill set improvements um, because... Um, you need a little bit of that narkiness and edge that we've spoken about that's kind of gone out of the fixture. But I think it's gone. And, and I really kind of was alarmed to hear that um, their preparation last week, their sole focus was to send their biggest rivals, which are Munster, Leinster, and that's the reality, to South Africa. To stick nails in the coffin, basically. And I don't think Munster had the same attitude. So, look... Um, no, they don't, for sure. And I think... One stat that's glaringly obvious that backs you up on that is that they missed 25 tackles. Yeah. That, 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 that to me is... Um, but there was moments in the game, Neve, like turnovers, breakdown and stuff. They were very aggressive. And, and yeah. look, Munster were just a little bit off. Again, yeah. I don't think, and in both of us, we, we, we've kind of made the point to the listeners that I actually don't think it's as bad as it seems because I think they're... You said it, Leinster are incredibly well-coached, lots of talent, very cohesive in everything they do, um, and very good at what they do. And I, and I was very nervous about this game because um, I think what that group of players did in South Africa for Leo Cullen in those two games has has brought them on tons. Yeah. It's can the Munster, environment. It's the environment. Yeah. Can Munster get better? Uh, of course they can. So there is coaching changes, um, and there's a big task at hand in them. There's lots of young players. And I think if we see that evolution and, and a lot of work going at pre-season, um, season isn't gone, Neve, so it's not all doom and gloom. They're away to Ulster. Um, it's a tall order now, but uh, they were there a couple of weeks ago. And just very briefly, I think um, they've got to pick themselves up now. And we talk about yeah. the psychology. If you're a coach now, you've got to kind of help and, and it has to be player-driven as well to pick themselves up and try and salvage the season. Yeah, absolutely. But you've got to have a little bit of a ruthless edge in you, something that we've just spoken about that on the review this week that, you know, things are called out and very open and honest. You've got to be transparent that this is not the level. And, uh, you know, a lot of the tweets were about, you know, the fact we ended up there a couple of weeks ago and we won, which we could definitely do it again. But in my mind's eye, that was seven days post the worst defeat in Ulster for them as a group. That one point in Austin to lose, they were flat. They won't be flat in two weeks' time. And... So you've got to now start literally ratcheting everything up and hopefully we'll get 
some players back. I think that's going to be huge. Okay, well, it's uh, it's uh, a good couple of weeks. Kind of came crashing down on uh, on Saturday, and look, hat tip to to Leinster. They're they're at a, a really good level, and uh, hopefully, the Munster coaching team and players can pick themselves up and and give it a rattle and. Uh, who knows what'll happen? That's episode 23 of the Red 78 wrapped up. To make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week, just search for the Red 78 and press subscribe. And don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts next week. Um, it was a bit touchy between Neve and myself today. You were sniping back at me, but um, uh, don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts. Anyway, you can tweet us at our personal Twitter accounts or at the Rugby Channel 15 or leave a comment on YouTube. Uh, we've no game to look back at, but uh, we do have the Ulster quarterfinal to look forward to. That's going to be on Friday week. So Friday night fixture, not not the easiest for Munster fans to get, get up to Belfast yeah. on a Friday. It'll be a bit challenging, but look, uh, they've been there before, um, recent, most notably in recent weeks. Um, it's still going to be a tall order. Very good Ulster side, but uh, let's see what happens. And anyway, thanks, Neve, and uh, we'll chat to you next week. Thanks, Tony. The Munster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Munster Rugby better.